It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. The heat is back on at Sitka's Blatchley Middle School, and classes are expected to resume as usual today after students were unexpectedly sent home for four days during the installation of new heat pumps. The return to warm classrooms concludes what has been a full year of chilly instruction for Sitka's middle schoolers. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Blatchley Principal Ben White is feeling upbeat about the prospect of a fully heated building. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a calendar year since we've had a functional, effective heat system. It was November of last year when it uh, shut down. And so as of last night, that would be December 5th at 8 o'clock, we have half the units up and running and functioning very well. The other half of the units um, should be hooked up in the next 24 to 48 hours, and they don't anticipate any... Um, issues going forward with the continued hookup. But even with half the units running, the building is already more um, completely heated than it has been in, well, a year. The school had been getting by on space heaters and a couple of the original heat pumps that were limping along, leaving conditions in the building tolerable, if not comfortable. There was no disruption of classes until Wednesday, November 30th, when White sent a note informing parents that there would be no school for two days, Thursday and Friday, and then remote learning for another two days on Monday and Tuesday. It happened to be the coldest part of the winter so far in southeast Alaska, and the problem wasn't a lack of output from the new heat pumps. The contractors, White says, had to test the other half of a heat pump system and turn on the building's air conditioning. It was a little ironic, and when they told me that, I had to laugh, but it's part of the, uh, you know, the heating and cooling system, so they had to essentially purge that and make sure that system was functional. Um, so it was kind of uh, comical at that point that, oh, of course, we're going to turn the air conditioning on. White says the test run of the air conditioning took the temperature down to around 40 degrees in some classrooms. The Sitka Assembly set aside $600,000 last August to purchase new heat pumps for the building when district maintenance staff determined that the old heat pumps, which were just 11 years old, had failed beyond repair, likely the result of an installation method that just wasn't suitable for southeast Alaska. Fortunately, there was money to spare from surplus sales tax revenues from Sitka's rebound in cruise tourism, and the new equipment was ordered, while the actual timeline for installing it remained an open question. That the installation came during a cold snap wasn't the best timing, but White is glad the situation is finally being resolved and that Sitka's middle schoolers can return to learning without having to dress for the climate. We have lots of students and staff who, who do um, actually wear their winter hats and winter coats and gloves. Um, you know, the students get to move throughout the school during the school day. They, they see seven different teachers each day. Um, so part of their days was in heated rooms, while part would be in rooms that weren't heated. However, staff, you were frequently in um, a room all day long that might be 50 degrees. It does start to take a toll. White says all Blatchley students will return to in-person learning and buses will run on their usual schedule as of Wednesday, December 7th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. There are just a few days left to apply for a newly vacant seat on the Sitka Assembly, but as of Tuesday morning, the city hasn't received any applications. In anticipation of her job as Sitka's newest state representative for House District 2, Rebecca Himshoot stepped down from her seat on the Assembly two weeks ago. She'll be sworn into office in Juneau in January. Himshoot had one year remaining on her three-year term on the Assembly. She is the second Assembly member to resign this fall. In October, Dave Miller resigned due to health concerns, and Tim Pike was chosen from a pool of four Sitkins to fill his seat. 
Applications are available at the Municipal Clerk's Office on the third floor of City Hall. The deadline to submit a letter of interest is noon on Monday, December 12th. When the Assembly meets on Tuesday, December 13th, they'll choose an applicant from the pool. If the candidate is there, they'll be sworn into office immediately and serve in the role until the municipal election next October. Lisa Fu has been a journalist in Alaska for years, covering local issues and statewide politics, but now she's taking on a family's story, her own. Her mother, Lan Fu, fled Cambodia during the Khmer Rouge regime in the 70s before coming to the United States before Lisa was born. Fu said that there are a lot of parts to the story that she didn't know and had asked for years to interview her mother. She sat down with KTOO's Yvonne Crumry to talk about what it's been like making the series. Hey, Lisa, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Is there anything that you wish people in Juneau and Alaska understood about the history of the Khmer Rouge? A lot of people, most people are familiar with the Vietnam War. Um, So I think this is just a piece of our history that a lot of people just aren't familiar with. Um, So I think just like telling that story that's been so important to my life and letting folks know like this was going on at the same time, right? It was, it's just, there was so much going on in that region. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think it's just a piece of history that, that people should know about. In the first episode, your mother tells you the story of how your older sister was killed. And she said something that really stuck with me. I'll play it. Oh, it took me so long to, to able to repeat the story. Uh. How did you feel asking her about these traumatic memories as part of this project? I mean, I think on one hand, um, I wanted to know them. So like on a very basic level, I wanted like a record of what happened in her life. It was important like for me to know because I just I I never heard that story. I had asked my mom over years if I could interview her and she said no. Like, she said no many times. Um, and then, I forget what year it was, like 2014 or 15, she got in a car accident. And she was fine. But it was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, this is, like, you know, we could lose anyone at any moment. Um, so I was like, Mom, can I interview you, please? And she finally said yes. So... Like, I felt okay because she had obviously thought about it, right? And she was ready to share with me. And you said you've been working on this story for six years. Can you talk about why you wanted to do it and how it took to come to fruition? Like, how come six years? (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah, I had asked my mom after this car accident, can I interview you? After many times, she finally said yes. And just feasibly, she came to visit me when my daughter was born. So that was just like the longest time we were in the same location together. So just logistically, it made sense that I would interview her then. But as far as like why I wanted to do it, I think in my mind growing up, like I always assumed I would tell her story one day or my family's story. But yeah, so I interviewed her, just like the process of transcribing everything and like writing, everything just takes a super long time to do. Um, Life gets in the way. But yeah, I mean... It just took a long, long time. (laughs) You've been a reporter in Alaska for years. How has that experience prepared you for this project? I think it should have prepared me better. (laughs) Uh, You know, I had been um, an audio reporter, a public radio reporter. And so I know how to, like, handle a mic and how to, like, 
where to put it and stuff. But with when I interviewed my mom, it was like, I can't put this mic in her face. Like, there's just no way I can do that. Because <laughs> um, on one hand, I wanted to make her feel comfortable. Um, but just it was like I couldn't be the reporter with my mom. Has hearing more about your mother's story changed the way you see your work as a reporter at all? You know, like what I liked about this doing this work is just like the in-depth nature to it. Um, what's been really interesting is that uh, I have also been doing um, this, uh, another podcast called Private Right, which is a series about abortion in Alaska. And it's really intense to like kind of toggle between both of these stories, you know, at the root of it is like motherhood. Like there's just like, you know, and I'm a mother and I'm struggling just every day with being a mom and being a reporter and then telling my mom's story and then reporting on people having the choice or not to have the choice to be a parent. There's just like a lot of intersectionality to the work I'm doing with both podcasts um, that makes me pause often. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> you know? Okay, thank you so much for stopping by and talking to me about this. Thank you so much for having me. That was Lisa Fu, editor for the Alaskan Beacon, talking about her personal podcast called Before Me. It's about her family's history fleeing the Khmer Rouge before Lisa was born. A longer version of the interview is on KTOO.org. The first two episodes of the podcast are out now. The University of Alaska Faculty Union membership on Monday ratified a tentative contract agreement with the University of Alaska Administration. The nonpartisan Alaskan Beacon reports that the two parties reached the tentative contract agreement at the end of October, ending 14 months of negotiations. The Board of Regents approved the tentative contract during its November meeting. The final step is approval from the Alaska Department of Administration. The tentative agreement includes faculty salary increases from 3% to 2.5% over three years, which are slightly higher than the administration's original best and final offer. The contract is retroactive to July 1, 2022. To provide back pay for the salary increase, the university will request it as a supplemental budget item in the coming legislative session. The overall compensation increases will be included in the university's budget request submitted to the legislature for funding approval. Faculty Union President Abel Biltito has no doubt that the legislature will fund it. He said ratifying the contract provides some stability for the next couple of years and shows the unity of the union. Built Edo said that the relationship between the union and administration is still very strained, but hopefully agreeing to the contract takes the pressure off a bit and improves it. The two parties are due to be back at the negotiation table in August 2024. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.